you have until the count of five. I happen to love the number five. It's a beautiful number, a glorious number. You got to the count of five. This is a podcast. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think you could. I didn't even agree to letting you intro, and that's exactly why. <laughs> oh, that's a great intro. Welcome to um, the Got Till 5 Wrestling Podcast. We're back, baby. Every baby. Well, we record on a Thursday. It usually comes out on a Friday. So happy Friday, everyone. We're talking from you from the past. Okay. Um, hey? Hey, hey you called me a millennial earlier. So You are a millennial. I, we were about to start recording. I was like, you ready? And he was like, oh, hang on. I'm just Snapchatting. It's like, what a... What a, I was about to say, a um, homophobic slur then, but I won't because I'm enlightened. Um, I'm Jesse Benz doing this podcast and, and someone else is doing this podcast and his name is... His name is Max Curran and he hails from where I'm sitting and recording this. Where are you sitting recording this, Max? Sitting in Brighton, lovely Brighton. You're sitting in Brighton and I'm sitting in Cheltenham. Isn't um, technology amazing? This is powerful. I don't know if people realise that we've never actually done a show in the same room. We haven't actually seen each other since we started doing this show. Really? Yeah, we haven't seen each other once. Wow. I know, I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> well, we will be seeing each other next time we do our first show of 2018, because we will have two shows left after this for 2017, and then we'll be taking a two-week break over the holidays, because who wants to listen to us talk about sweaty men when you could be enjoying looking at your family and eating turkey and stuff? So we'll be taking a two-week hiatus over Christmas, and we will return for a special, very special Wrestle Kingdom podcast. Yeah, we will. the only time that we'll actually do a full wrestling review show and pretend we know what we're talking about we promise you that will be the only one yeah because i don't like it when other podcasts do that unless you're a wrestler like and a decent one i don't like it when other podcasts do that because i think you're not qualified in the slightest to talk about this in that way like Sto- stone cold can do it that's fine that's what I, I said to that website that contacted us they were like what 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 what's your podcast about and i'm like well we just like talking about top five shit that we remember from the past because uh, we don't really know what we're talking about yeah, exactly. I mean, I'll still criticise, but um, I'm I'm happy to be <laughs> happily. Proved, yeah, I'm happy to be proved wrong. Um, anyway, um, if, so we're doing intercontinental title matches this week. Yeah, yeah, the work rate title I've always called it. It's my favourite title in wrestling in WWE. The best title. Yeah, uh, especially like when we were in our youthful days, it was a very important title. Meant it a lot. Like it, didn't it? Did maybe it didn't? Maybe maybe we we're just having that old rose tinted glasses again, but. Fun fact number one of the evening, if if you're interested, 37% of the wrestlers that have held the Intercontinental title have also became world champions in WWE. That seems quite low when you think that it's supposed to be a sort of propelling title. It does, doesn't it? The, yeah. The stepping stone title. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, we'll be getting to our top five Intercontinental title matches shortly. I'm excited for this one because, yes, I love the Intercontinental title bout. And, ah, oh, there's some good matches. Yes, there oh, are. Got some doozies to, to talk about. I, I don't recommend any crossovers this week. I'm predicting one definite one I know we'll have, but that is it. Oh, um, you know, I don't know. I think we'll have one definite crossover, and I think I know which match you think will be our crossover. Oh, you think it... I you think you think I know what you think I think? You think you know me. On this day, I see clearly. Sorry. Um, 
And now um, I think we'll have one crossover and it won't be the match you think it is. I don't think it's even made my list. You're wrong. Okay, let's find out. But first, <laughs> um, what's happened this week, Max? Anything exciting? It feels like another sort of bland week in wrestling. It has been a bit of a bland week. Um, I, I will quickly just go back to my forfeit where I got chopped in the chest. Oh, how, yeah. ha- how happy were you? I was good. You were chopped like a bitch. I was really happy. So basically, I was trying to find a way to like get out of this. The challenge was, if you haven't seen it, it's on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube at the moment. Uh, Because I did some shows on the weekend and I had to get chopped by a big, scary, wrestling man. So I was just trying to get out of it and hope it would kind of... Ah, sorry, Jess, I was really busy and I forgot. That was my plan. Um, Until I was backstage on the first show on the Saturday. And the guy was like, oh, Max, could you just come backstage a minute? Could you just come here? Just come here. I said, okay, okay. And then Luke grabs my arms from behind. They take off my T-shirt lift it up and hold it and uh the elliot jordan experience gave me three very painful chops to the chest where the bruise is still on my nipple oh, i love it when you talk dirty max <laughs> say it again slower <laughs> call me daddy but well, i'm um, so happy it happened on the saturday because the sunday oh i had people like bram al Ligero. i just better it got done on the saturday you don't want Just you don't that. want Bram you don't want Bram doing it or Alagero actually they're very very in shape gentlemen very very in shape gentlemen um, met Bram for the first time met him in a towel and he was uh, naked underneath and he said just gonna hold on to this towel because if well, it drops uh, you will be scarred and I went I oh, like you I like I, you well we're, we're always naked under what we're wearing Max. <laughs> I should have said that to him hand on shoulder we're always yeah. naked Bram <laughs> and then just walked away <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that that really hurt, and I'm uh, hoping you lose at Clash of Champions because I've got a plan in mind. Oh, good. Um, I don't have a plan, but I will come up with something horrendous when I inevitably win again and retain the forfeit championship. Oh, there's a championship now. Well, it's yeah. We need to buy a proper belt for it. I think. Um, Just keep shipping it to each other every two weeks. Yeah, exactly. Send it back. Yeah. Well, no, that won't happen, will it? Because I'll be retaining consistently. Do 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 do. But in real wrestling world, not my wrestling world, um, sad news, shut the fuck up. <laughs> so, sad news out of the gate, there's a report by Mautzer on Mr. Seamus. Seamus O'Shaughnessy. Seamus O'Shaughnessy. Um, that he is suffering from a injury to the spinal region, which uh, is quite serious. I, I'll try and pronounce the name, but it's too medically for me. But it's the same kind of injury that ended Edge and Stone Cold's career. So hopefully a rumour at this point and uh, not anything serious. Because as much as we rag on Seamus, he's a consistent workhorse and he's always been good. I've always liked him. He, um, I mean, he is 40 now, right? Which is like yes. pretty old. You don't realise that because he hasn't really aged, but... He um, he's done it. He's done everything without ever drawing a dime. It feels like to me, like he's sort of he's won a Royal Rumble. He's um, he hasn't main evented WrestleMania actually, and um, that's one thing he hasn't done. But he's won pretty much all the titles, certainly all the world titles. He's won a King of the Ring. He's done a hell of a lot without ever feeling like a big player. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. He was in a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. He was, and he's related to one of the Muppets. <laughs> For a minute, there, I was like, no, he's... Oh, wait, yes, he is. <laughs> yeah, he is. From the horse's mouth. Um, what else has happened? Um, Sasha and Alexa Bliss had a match in Abu Dhabi. I believe it's the first women's WWE match that's ever happened over there. They wore um, outfits that covered everything, and quite right, too. 
and um, and it's good that they've made history, and that's lovely. Also, it's thirty years to the day today when um, Lita and Trish main evented Raw. Which thirty? That's a bit 13, excessive. Thirteen. Uh, oh, I see. Three. Pronounce the eight, boy. Thirteen. Uh, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, it's not the first main of women's main event of Raw. The first one was Stephanie McMahon and Lita a couple of years prior, but that was full of run-ins from people like The Rock and stuff like that, so it doesn't really count. Um, it was this uh, Lita and Trish was the first proper women's main event of Raw, where it was just a good match, no interference, and um, 13 year anniversary. So to celebrate that, what are we doing next week, Max? Next week we are doing our top five on, I can't remember what we decided on. Is it top five women's wrestlers of all time? Yes, it is. Yeah, top five women's wrestlers of all time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, ladies. We're going to. (laughs) Yeah, me and Jesse are going to appreciate ladies next week. Tune in. Yeah, it's going to be good. But it's nice because we decided that before we realised that it was the 13-year anniversary of that match. And also before we realised that um, Bliss and Banks were having a match in Abu Dhabi. Exactly. So we're ahead of the curve. Some say we started a women's revolution. Yeah, you nearly said divas, you filthy bitch. How dare you. Right, well, um, that's about it. Shall we move on? Oh, that was great. Oh, okay. Well, what what else do you want to talk about? No, no, no. Normally we, we rant on for a while, just... Yeah, but there's nothing really to rant about. What's happened to Neville? So there was reports about Neville coming back and that everything was cool, and that's just disappeared. Neville's disappeared off the face of the earth again. Oh, I think they'll save that for a for a special one. Do you reckon? What, oh, Neville's yes. coming back? Winning the, the Rumble. The Rumble. <laughs> yeah, that would be... Eliminates Daniel good. Bryan. Heal forever. <laughs> oh, Neville. Neville, I miss you, Neville. Oh, you- Neville. We all do. Uh, yeah, we might as well get on. But how, how are you, Jesse? We always talk about wrestling. We always talk about me. But how are you? We never really talk about our personal lives, do we? Um, I'm very well. Um, you went to that in... clown show last week. I'm sure everyone's dying to know how that went. Oh, yeah. It was iconic. Um, iconic. It was. Uh, it was at the Bristol Hippodrome. It looked like a sellout to me. Um you still out. Um, yeah, very, very good. I don't, I don't know what you want me to tell you. I don't want to say anything because if anyone ever sees the show, there's no so one much, will. So, they really will. It's amazing. There's so much cool stuff in it, but you can't know before you go. But a lot of cool effects, a lot of good clowning. You and, should write um, reviews. A lot of carny fun. Hey, if I. Hey. Hey. You, Too far. You, you shut Too up. Um, and also, next week on the. Uh, this is going to be terrible plugging because I don't know where we're playing, but my band are playing our last gig of the year. Um, my band, the Hawthorns, on the fifteenth of December, and let me just go on do my we have band's a show? Do we website have a show here. We do the day before. I'll do it the day before, so I can plug it again then, can't I? But um, gigs, just going on gigs on um, my band's website because I need to know these things. It's in um, the Village Inn in Chepstow. Come to the Village Inn in Chepstow on Friday the 15th of December. We start at 8.30pm. Would you believe that Jess is in charge of, like, social media and events for his band? Well, I do it so well that I exert all my social energy brilliance on that and just leave all this um, Got Till Five crap to you. Got Till Five crap. (laughs) He really cares, people. He really cares. And he do a terrible job, right? Before we came on air, um, Max told me that the Vince McMahon episode last week has our lowest numbers yet, which is shameful. It did not. That's that's on the listeners, though. That's on you, people. It's on you not promoting it, Max. Don't blame the innocent I, listeners. I promote it. I think they were just too... I think Benji wore them out. Do you reckon? I reckon he was a machine. I blame uh, Benji. 
I'm going to tease the possibly maybe 75% chance we have a very, very exciting guest next week. And if it doesn't happen now, you'll all be really upset. Yeah, okay. Should we leave it at that? Just in What case a letdown it might be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, let's move on to the most important title in the WWE, maybe not recently, but has been for many, 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 many years. Pat Patterson was the first man to hold this illustrious title. Chris Jericho has had the most amount of reigns, and a honky-tonk man is the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion of all time. <gasps> and Dabby Dozy. And the current one is um, Roman Reigns. who. Brighter, has been- Burner Sierra Hotel overpushed gay. Um, <laughs> he, um, what's happened? Yeah, he's a Grand Slam champion now from winning that Intercontinental title, which is um, mental. He is. I think that's like the new rule because because um, Cena has never actually, actually, he's never actually competed for it. He's never even hasn't held it. He's never even competed for it. He so, competed for it on one house show. Apparently, doesn't count. Okay, fine. <laughs> um, so therefore, he has never held the title of a Triple Crown champion um, in his whole entire career. But well, that's um, you know, Cena. He's a, he's a free agent. Could happen. He is. He could do what he wants. We could. That that'll be the Mania match. Maybe Cena reigns for the Intercontinental title. That would be so much better. He he can come out in green when everyone else is in blue. It doesn't matter because it's John Cena. Exactly. He could do what he wants. Love him. Um. So yeah, did you have fun with this list, Jesse? Uh, yeah, sort of. I, um, I've i got a couple on here that maybe... I don't know if you'll allow them or not. Oh. But I... I, I well, I mean, you will. What are you going to do? Fire me. But it's... <laughs> um, <laughs> you don't want to just be a man shouting on your own. It's weird. No, it's okay. Um, we we got enough listeners now. I'm sure someone will jump in. Yeah, that's true. We got enough listeners who didn't listen to last week. No, we did get good. We got good numbers last week, but nowhere near it was, as good. Yeah, as it wasn't as ones. good as Benji and the one previously. Exactly. So sort it out, people. See, I'm blaming them now. You got me on that. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. I know I did have a good time doing this list, and and forgot about a couple of matches. Revisited a couple. Uh, they've remained on my list because they have a special place in my heart. But I have rewatched them, and some of them don't quite hold up. But I'm keeping them on there anyway. I've, I think I've got a couple of them, um, but a lot of them. So I've got two quite modern ones, and then. One, I've got one quite old one. one okay. Quite old. So we'll, we'll see where we lie. But if we do have a crossover, my friend, if we do have a crossover this week, um, we normally have a drop that comes in to say that uh, I also have that, Max. Please let me talk about it too. So we're not yeah. repeating ourselves. This week, I'm feeling either we honour the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion of the Honky Tonk Man or we honour the man who's held at the most, Chris Jericho. Who would you like to pick? Oh, Jericho. You stupid idiot it is. Yeah, okay, cool, nice. Love it. So, without further ado, Jesse Benz, please start us off at number five. Are we... Okay, um, nice, I start. Drop! Forgot about the drop. <laughs> oh, God, I just dived onto the floor. I thought you were telling me something. <laughs> right <now. laughs> Drop and roll, boys! Let's um, do our intro. We'll... Fuck it, we'll play <laughs> Five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this new crazy mother. Brother, 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 brother. I happen to love the number five. Brother, you have until the count of five. Brother, you got to the count of five. Brother. There it was. 
Plus one intro. Now we can start. Just now we can start. Off of our number five. Of our... Number five. So uh, this is my first of a dubious decision. Um, this is um, I'm, I'm using redacted straight away, getting him out of the way. Okay. Um, yeah, it is from WrestleMania 16, also known as WrestleMania 2000. Mm. It is a triple threat match: Benoit versus Jericho versus Angle, a two fall match for the Intercontinental and European Championships. Oh, both held by Kurt Angle going into the match. I'll allow it's an Intercontinental title, title match. Yep, exactly. It was on, right? So, straight in with Redacted. Now, this WrestleMania was pretty awful, generally speaking, um, and the name WrestleMania 2000 annoys me. But, um, I think... Because it followed a number sequence? Yeah, exactly, and it um, it messes with my autism. But um, <laughs> Everyone's on the scale. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I think this match is really good, and it's one that I rewatched recently. And one thing I noticed this time round is how dead the crowd are, which depressed me. But um, it's a great match, all three. It's all three of their WrestleMania debuts, which I think is pretty cool, because I think all three of them went on to great WrestleMania moments. Um, Angle uh, two did. was... <laughs> who hasn't had a good WrestleMania moment? Well, Chris, um, Redacted has never had a WrestleMania moment. Oh, I see. Yeah, that uh, that triple threat match with um, Shawn Michaels and... No, it was Blake, a singles when, match. How many times? Won, when either of them won. <laughs> yeah, it was a double countout. Idiot. Do you remember um, Eddie Guerrero just like hugging air at the end? <laughs> Why did he even come in. out? Yeah, it was. I won the title. <laughs> just clapping and looking emotional. And it's like, what? You didn't do anything, mate. Um, yeah, so um, Angle loses the Intercontinental title on the first fall to Benoit and the European title on the second fall to Jericho. Being a massive Benoit fan, as I was when I was a kid, I watched this. Um, as a kid, and it may be livid. There's a really weird spot, right? And I'm not sure why it's in there or why it makes sense. After Benoit has won the first fall and got the Intercontinental title, the referee, um, Tim White, gets um, knocked down and is knocked out. And then Benoit gets Jericho in the crossface and Jericho taps out. So, but it doesn't count because the referee's not up, right? But Benoit, why... Why do that? So Benoit looked really strong and it felt like they were trying to push Jericho, but all they did was get Jericho pinned and then he taps out without the ref seeing, which is odd to me. But um, Jericho ends up winning the European title by pinning Benoit after a lion's soul. And I really like the booking of that because Angle, they were pushing Angle to the moon. He was fresh in the company. They wanted to make him this massive main event star. Um, so they made him just win these two titles, which made him look strong. And then it had doing a match like this, he loses both titles, like gets rid of all the baggage without actually losing. He doesn't get pinned or submitted. So he gets to go up to the main event without, um, looking weak at all. I think that's brilliant. It's the way it should be done. Yeah. I think it's how I would have, um, if Askran got injured, it's how I would have liked her to kind of lose the title. You know, it's technically you don't lose, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. That would have been good. Um, and also you get to see a Benoit, he didn't do this after his neck surgery, which was a shame, but his beautiful, um, bridge German suplexes, um, that just look amazing. And he was one of the best at them, I think. But yeah, after his neck surgery, he never did them again. Understandable in all honesty. Well, I, I, I mean, like the way things ended, he might as well have just carried on really. Um, but yeah, so that's my number five, and I think it's a good match. It's the second best match of that WrestleMania after the um, TLC triple threat ladder match. Um, and it's good. <laughs> <laughs> really sold that one. I don't really remember WrestleMania 2000 that much of it. I remember the 
not that wasn't the TLC match, but was the TLC match. The triple, yeah, yeah whatever. That's what I meant, yeah. It was TLC. Um, I remember that, and that's about it from that, that year. Uh, the main event was a fatal four-way between yes. The Rock, Triple H, Big Show, and a Mick Foley who had been retired by Triple H two months previously. You're just a wealth of, of autistic knowledge. Yes, yes, I am, sir. But um, yeah, I, I remember that. But it um, was generally a um, it was generally a poor show. It has to be said. It was. It was. Um, now on to mine, which was an interesting show. Looking back on it, um, this is one that popped into my head yesterday. I went, "Was that a good match?" I swear that was a good match. I'm going to go back and watch it. Um, and it's from 2009, the mm. dark ages of WWE at this yes. time. Uh, no holds barred match, extreme rules. Rey Mysterio versus Chris Jericho. Jericho. Yeah, that's a great match. It is a great match, right? Yeah, really it's, good. Um, their styles just kind of blend really, really nicely together. Um, Jericho is uh, one of his best heel runs. He, he gets to better, but this is one of his best. Uh, and he starts with just talking trash at the merch table with, with Rey's masks and then entering through the crowd, insulting fans and threatening anyone who touches him. And then Ray comes out and they just go, they just keep going, they fight outside and they just, yeah, go mental. My favorite bit is when Jericho whips him into the um, the steel uh, steel stairs and he does like a monkey flip over them and then drop kicks them into his knees. I was like, I've never seen that before. I it's really nice. like that. Um, but Jericho just kept trying to remove Ray's mask the whole time and just trying to get him distracted because Ray can't do anything about his mask. Exactly, and, it's, it's, it's like kryptonite, isn't it? Taking up his kryptonite. Exactly, and he just keeps going for the the six one nine and the counters in this match. Like I always get a little bit sick of just constant back and forth counter encounter, um, but they do it so well. The amount of moves that they end up actually pulling off that I've never seen before, like Hurricane Rana's breaking it down into the walls of Jericho, six one nines around the post. It's just crazy match. Everything happens, and even though it was a no holds barred match, they didn't really use. They used the outside to their advantage the most, and then they pretty much just bought in a folding chair, and then Ray did some, like, coyote ugly dancing <laughs> sexually off the... That's how I viewed it. Off uh, off the chair and hit Jericho in the head. Which, this is how conditioned I've become with WE. Like, if I see a chair shot when I go back and watch matches now, I physically cringe. I go, ooh. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because they, um, they were around for such a long time, and when we were kids, like, if someone hit someone else in the head with a chair, like... It was cool, but it wasn't. It wasn't even a wow moment, really. It was just par for the course, wasn't it? It just happened, and you just moved yeah. on with your life. And that's what blood became like. Blood now, when someone gets busted open, they have to stop the match. It's like, oh shit! You got oh, what's going on? It's just like legit. You got busted open. But Sean used to bleed every Monday night from just a punch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we got so desensitized to blood. And I, I think I still am to this day. Like, I'm not weirded out around blood like a lot of other people are, and I think it's wrestling's fault. <laughs> everything's wrestling's fault <laughs> every but, time I accidentally cut myself on something I just rub it on my chest <laughs> <laughs> do a shave, great yeah. job do a shave, great job <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, really fun match and Jericho almost gets to win but then Ray keeps going for the 619, eventually it's kind of a case of the chair is the main focus and before he attempts 619 uh, Jericho catches him and removes the mask and gets a quick cover pin, and Ray can't kick out because he has to cover his face because that's how wrestling works. It's very well done as well, that mask. It is. Table. It doesn't look 
forced or it, it looks like he literally did rip it off out of frustration yeah. and then gets to pin. It is smooth. As they say. Really good. And this is also a really good example of um, Rey Mysterio in his sort of later years uh, where he can't, where his, his knees are absolutely bollocks and he just can't dust. really, yeah, and he just, and he can't do what he used to be able to do. And Eddie Guerrero went through a similar thing. His body started packing in on him, but he um, adapted his style and remained, you know, when you've got a good mind, you can just remain exciting. And Ray did that. Ray still seemed really exciting and athletic, even though when you really watch what he's doing, he's not anywhere near what he was but oh yeah you see that a lot in um i see that a lot in lucha underground when, when he was kind of majorly first coming in yeah it would kind of be a case of he'd be in a lot of tag matches and he'd get the hot tag he'd do his usual fight like five moves to get a pop and then straight back out yeah and, and then and that's five. what he would do and you'd go oh ray was amazing and then you're like wait a minute he did nothing yeah yeah no, but it's brilliant if you can do that like and ray's fantastic at that and eddie guerrero was very good at that as well yeah, and it's yeah, it's great. It, if you get away with it, do it. Keep making that money with your dusty knees. <laughs> so Jericho became a record-breaking nine-time Intercontinental Champion, and this was the last time for now that he held um, the Intercontinental title. Quickly about this whole pay-per-view, weird. I want to go back and watch the whole thing because I was looking at the match card, and so you had Chris Jericho, Rey Mysterio as the second match, first match was Kofi Kingston as champion against Matt Hardy, MVP, and William Regal for the United States Championship. <laughs> Good. That's, that's, a, that's a group of people. Then you had CM Punk beating Umaga in a Samoan strap match. Okay. Yeah. Tommy Dreamer fighting Christian and Jack Swagger for the ECW Championship. Okay. Santina Morella defeated Chavo Guerrero and Vicky Guerrero in a handicap hog pen match for the title of Miss <laughs> WrestleMania. This is money. This is a license to print money. This, and, then it, and then you get Batista facing Randy Orton for the championship in a steel cage. Right, okay. That's my man's wet dream, isn't it? It really is. Put him in a cage. <laughs> John Cena against Big Show in a submission match. And then Jeff Hardy versus Edge in a ladder match for the World Heavyweight Championship when CM Punk then cashes in his money in the bank. What a pay-per-view. Beautiful. But I don't really remember it, so it couldn't have been that good. I don't remember it either. Um, I don't think I was... I think I'm, this might have been one of my um, dips out years. of wrestling, yeah, in 2009. So where Jesse was just wandering the streets looking for something to do. <laughs> Why isn't anyone bleeding? <laughs> Basically, I'm just picturing, like, Green Day's Boulevard of Broken Dreams video. That's just what you did for three years. <laughs> Eyeliner. More or less. What brought me back? Uh, it was Daniel Bryan that brought me back in a big way, really. Um, his sort of rise. Um, but... Anyway, um, that is a good choice. Well done, you. Clever boy. Um, my number four. Um, guess who's back? Back again. back again. It is redacted. Chris Benoit against um, Chris Jericho in a ladder match for the at uh, the 2001 Royal Rumble. You stupid idiot. Yeah, crossover. What number is this for you? Number three. Number three. Very good. Well, um, HB, I know like Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon sort of started the trend of great ladder matches and that was for the Intercontinental title as well um, at WrestleMania 10 but um, Benoit and Jericho took it to a whole new level in my opinion and they don't I don't think they get the credit they deserve for not only pioneering ladder matches but also giving teams like Hardy's Edge and Christian and the Dudleys a platform to sort of showcase what made them legendary now. I think Benoit and Jericho started that or like allowed them to do that. Would you agree? I would agree. And some of the stuff I saw in this match was stuff I've never really seen before. Uh, 
two spots that really stick out in my head is when Jericho drapes Benoit redacted, sorry, over the. Um, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's fine. Because it, Jesse sent me a picture um, earlier in the week of someone's like Reddit flare was just Chris Benoit's face and redacted next to it. <laughs> and a little piece of us goes, that's us. Yeah, that, that very well could be us. us. Um, but he he drapes redacted over the um, the barrier that separates the fans and the real men. And Jericho gets the ladder and he steps on it and he's going to just fall with the ladder into into Jericho. And in Benoit, I'm doing a JR again. Jericho, Chris! Chris <laughs> yeah, it's Jericho. hard, isn't it? And then uh, Benoit moves and it just goes smack into the, uh, the barrier and it, it's just a really cool moment. And there's another bit where he kind of puts it on... The, the ropes in the middle and then just lifts it up and just smacks Benoit in the face and all three really since but the bump he took is so good I watching that match the commitment that he puts into his bumps every single time like even just small moves it's a proper bam straight down he slams himself down doesn't he really does yeah and it's not fun to do no well when you know the outcome of his life you, well, sort, this... you do watch it and you go oh mate like you really don't need to do that well, this is what I text Jesse because I I knew this match was good, but I had to go back and rewatch it in case it didn't kind of stand up because there's been so many ladder matches since then. And there is a bit where he goes for a suicide dive and Jericho hits him in the head midway with a steel chair and he just looks like a little bull terrier. He just stops and then falls. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, we've talked about it on this podcast before, haven't we? That. Um incredibly underrated not many people seem to have seen it the um, suicide dive out of the ring against macho man randy savage yes. and his head goes straight into the guard rail. there's just so it seems like every time you put a benoit match on there's something where you think oh that ah, really hit you hard in your delicate brain um yeah this it was a really good match um i think this whole feud benoit and jericho is really underrated because it was you know, in sort of the thick of the Attitude Era when you have massive characters like The Rock, Stone Cold, Taker, Mankind, Kane, people like that on top. But Benoit and Jericho kept the mid-card so strong. They did. Um, the video package for this is utter shit, though. <laughs> I haven't watched it for a while. <laughs> it's literally just music, them fighting. No, no like, voiceover or cut-ins. Just them fighting and then trying to make each other tap and then just, just that. And then it just the end bit is... Benoit, I want to face you for the for the title, um, but in a match of my choice. And Benoit's like, "Okay, fine." And then it's a ladder match, and that's it. Nice, well, it's good. It's like the worst package ever. Straight into the point. Two Canadians beating each other. Jr. said these two young Canadian Canadian men way too much in that match. Yeah, I bet. Uh, yeah, Chris, 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 Canadian Chris's. <laughs> Chris, Chris. <laughs> so lovely match, and our first crossover of the evening. What's your number four, Mister Curtin? Um, I'm lost now. Where am I? Where am I? Where am I? Oh God! Oh, quickly! Oh, the most famous bit is when Chris Jericho puts oh, the, the walls to Jericho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I just cool. paused it and watched it for a while. Yeah, he is cool. Got he weird. Is very cool. <laughs> did you my, have to get get up and pace like I do? I oh yeah, look at it. Look at how he's got it in. <laughs> uh, my number four is quite a recent one, as in last year. Ooh. Probably the most not overlooked match, but it should have been match of the year last year in WWE. Go on. Quite, quite, are you curious by that statement? I think I know what it is. Do you? Yeah. Because I reckon Extreme Rules 2016 with Cesaro versus Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn versus The Miz was one of the best matches of last year. Oh, I was wrong. I thought you were going to pick um, Miz versus Dolph Ziggler at No Mercy. A very good match, but I have mentioned it in a previous top five before. And you this have. one, this one needs a mention. Yes, I agree. It was a great match. 
unbelievable. It's <laughs> stop underselling it. It's unbelievable. You always go one step too far. That's what WWE commentators do as well. They always go one step too far when you have a cool moment. They then say something like, this is the greatest moment in sports entertainment. And you think, oh, we've ruined it now. You've just gone that one step. It's boss time. God, what? I hate my <laughs> Oh, right. <laughs> so Stinger's here. Stinger. Stinger's here. Uh, the big dog. Oh, why is he just the worst? I don't mind Michael Cole. I think he, I think he does. I think he actually. You love the villain in every movie <laughs> for Voldemort. Voldemort is um, the greatest character ever written in any fiction. <laughs> He's the greatest good guy to ever live. Yeah, exactly. That damn kid <laughs> tried to get rid of those filthy mudbloods, and I salute him. Ah, <laughs> oh, pure evil. Anyway. Extreme Rules 2016, Miz was champion at the time. Sami Zayn, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens had a bit of a thing going on. Um, Cesaro <laughs> and Sami Zayn had a past. And you're talking about four of the best workers that WWE had and probably still does have. Um, the start of the match is great. you got all four men in each corner. They ring the bell. Sami just sprints at Kevin Owens and hits him with a halluva kick. Yeah, and, uh, yeah that was a great just start. Went, okay, I'm invested. <laughs> Yeah, it was brilliant. And then you have um, just as Zara and Zayn go each other, um, which showed what they could do in their next team. Mm-hmm. And oh, the stuff that they were doing was just that's stupidly athletic. And it's like it's impressive how athletic Sammy is, but Cesaro is just another level. He really was the MVP of this match. Yeah, he he just bounces around like a cruiserweight, doesn't he? And then and then next second he's chucking someone up with ridiculous strength. And then uppercutting them as he does it. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a bit where Miz has Sammy in like a... I guess he classes as a T-bone. He's got like his leg way up on his shoulder and he's going for a T-bone. Cesaro comes in and German suplex Miz and then they do a T-bone. Just looks so pretty. And then all three go into their corners and Cesaro just starts running around, hitting, hitting his European uppercuts. Chemistry with like everyone that he stepped in with. He even gets Miz in the sharpshooter at one point and Miz kind of crawls to the ropes. He grabs Maurice and pulls her into the ring. Uh, while the ref is trying to get her out of the ring, Miz taps out, which was infuriating to watch. And the most perfect gift that's around is when Sammy hits the pop-up Hurricane Rana sunset flip, and the two of them don't even touch the mat. They just rotate. Oh, God, it's beautiful. And it's just like, you can hear the air underneath them. Yeah, they did that in their NXT matches. That's like one of their go-to spots, those two. And they're just, every they nail it every time. It's brilliant. Every time. And the finish is great because up until this point, Miz had been kind of like getting Maurice to help him win or he'd been cheating to win. He, he does cheat to win this one, but it's in a kind of good way. So Sammy hits the halluva kick one more time on Owens, drags him out, goes for the pin, but Kevin pulls him out and they start fighting and fighting and fighting. Because at this point, everyone's just stored up their finishers and they're just hitting R2, R2, R2 at this point. <laughs> so everyone's fucked. Um, and then Miz slides in, pins Cesaro to retain and... At the time, I was outraged, but then I went, no, that makes sense. Miz is great. Miz is so good, and he doesn't get the credit he deserves, I think, for... He really does. He's going to be that guy that we talk about in about 15, 20 years' time on this very podcast. Yeah, we'll still be going. Stay tuned, kids. Um, (laughs) We'll we'll have done all the top fives. We'll be doing, like, um, top five, top five strands of Shawn Michaels' hair. (laughs) (laughs) Did you see the time in the 90s? Seven. Uh, Hall of Famer, and he'll be celebrated to uh, no end. Yeah. And if he isn't, screw you all. Yeah, I agree. 
I'm I'm uh, I'm part. I consider myself part of the Mistourage. I'm yeah, hundred percent. I've never wavered on the man. I've been hipster Miz since day one, baby. Yeah, you have. But all four of them, great match, and it just showed what those four could do. Like, yeah, the, they should be fighting for the Intercontinental title, but that match proved that all four should have so much more, and that's why it was kind of the stepping stone title of each one of them deserves a world title. Yeah, totally agree. Good, good. Fight me. I, I would I will fight you when I see you, which um, will be January the fourth um, when we watch the Tokyo Dome. Now, I think that that's the next time we're going to see each other. I know you actually made a joke when I said I said something about that would be the next time we see you, and you went, "Oh yeah, yeah," because like you know we definitely would see each other before then. You said sarcastically. Turns out it's the case. Which is you've just done it to prove a point. Like I'd be like, "Oh Jesse, I can come up this weekend." You're like, "Nope, busy." No, yeah, stay but away. you're not. You're just sitting there, <laughs> arms folded, looking out the window, wanking like a gibbon. But, um, <laughs> Anyway, um, so moving on, um, you talking about how all four of those men should have been a world champion after that I match. did. Yeah. I did. Well, that segues nicely into my number three, um, my other dodgy choice, which mm-hmm. is Hulk Hogan versus the Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania six. It was the for the WWF title and also for the Intercontinental title, a unification match. Uh, I'm not going to allow it because you've said his name on this podcast and I will not allow him to be talked about in a good way. Who, Terry? Terry Boelio. Oh, Well, I've got a soft spot for this WrestleMania because it happened two weeks after I was born and I'm a bit of a nerd for dating things like that. Um, it happened before you were born uh, by a couple of months. How does that make you feel? That I was alive to witness this and you were... <laughs> you were alive to witness this. You and Edge in the Tokyo Dome, side by side. <laughs> I was... It went in the, to- the Tokyo Dome. <laughs> in Toronto. Toronto Sky, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was two weeks old and um, I'm pretty sure... Hey? And you were like, wow. Your first words were like, wow. Yeah, exactly. A match. Just like that. Um, but yeah, so it's the first main event of the first WrestleMania of my life. And... Um, I obviously didn't watch it at the time, but I have gone back and watched it. And the the quality of the match obviously isn't great, right? It's Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior. But it's all about the crowd, right? And the feel of the match and how electric it all is. And it truly feels like a passing of the torch from Hogan to Warrior. Which is the first and only time. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Hogan still has to get his spot in, right? Where Earl um, takes a bump. Uh, Earl had another referee. And... Um, Hulk Hogan does get Ultimate Warrior down for what would be a three count if the referee was awake. So that has to happen just so... So he proved that he could win. Yeah, exactly. Just so that Hulk reminds everyone that he's still the real deal, brother. But um, other than that, Ultimate Warrior, it's like he wins the WWF title. It's a big moment. The place explodes. It feels... It just feels... Even watching it now, it still feels like a massive deal. And I say that the quality isn't great, but... Actually, it's it. They they'd sell it well, like the way they start because they're both face. They start with respect for each other, doing tests of strength and stuff. And as the match goes on, you see them both getting more desperate and more desperate to try and beat each other, and even playing a bit dirty. And I really like that. It's good storytelling, and credit to both men. Yeah, I love it when two homophobic ra- racist assholes get in the ring. It's my favorite. Yeah, hom- homophobic assholes with them. Um... The um, darkest fake tan you've ever seen with tassels, <laughs> with mus- big... mustaches. <laughs> yeah, who? Such a hypocrite, Ultimate Warrior. 
I'm going to paint my face, going to put on my tassels, and I'm going to call all of you. He was, what, can you not separate the, I mean, obviously I can, because I'm a Benoit fan. Can, can, <laughs> can you not separate the man from the artist? I just hate how much they're celebrated for how much, how bad of people they were, especially Ultimate Warrior. He's not, uh, he's... The, the Warrior Award. Oh yeah, that's lame. What about the Roddy Award? Yeah, <laughs> why, why, why should there be a Roddy Award? He's better than the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> yeah, I agree. and it sounds funny. I agree. I agree. That he's better, but yeah, the Roddy Award. Just for if anyone's been particularly mental that year, <laughs> just give him the Roddy Award. <laughs> you really uh, lost it back in June. Have this. <laughs> it's just a pipe. <laughs> but that's what kind of annoys about the when Roddy Piper passed away because everyone was like Dusty got you know pretty much the performance center named after him and, and the Dusty tournament Ultimate Warrior after like 15 years comes back and drops dead the next day and oh we were best of friends the whole time it's like when that person you met in school once dies and it's, it's all my life is and you post a Facebook status about how upset you were even though you had no idea who they were yeah. that's what WWE did with the Ultimate Warrior yeah um, and yeah Roddy Piper just no, no real still recollection i reckon that something happened then yeah well he wasn't really um on good terms with the company when he passed Roddy piper and he i mean he was doing his podcast did you ever listen to his podcast no i didn't it was insanity like i also does there a Roddy piper podcast and it's him slurring and getting angry yeah it's exactly that and but he just talks and talks and talks and just isn't making any sense whatsoever it's almost a bit depressing to listen to, really. Because my favourite thing was, because we've watched it quite a few times, if you haven't, you can check out on the network for nine ninety nine. the uh, In Your House, no, Legends in the House, or whatever it's called. Oh, Legends House. Legends House. Why is there not a season two of that? Oh, we need a season two. Who would be in your season two of Legends House? Ooh, I think we'd have to go like Attitude Era, because we've done obviously the 80s era. I think a 90s one would be quite interesting. Bret Hart? Yeah, you'd put Brett in there. Brett Hart would be amazing. Yeah, Brett and Sean, and you make them share a room. Brett wouldn't last a day. <laughs> no, you lock the doors. Uh, I'd put Kane in there, because Kane would be like the peacekeeper. That's really lovely. Nice. I like that. Um, oh, what about a bit of Stone Cold? Keep it at proper 90s. Stone Cold, yeah, that'd be good. Ric Flair? Yeah, Ric Flair's every, every era, isn't he? So we could put Ric Flair in there. I suppose now, now that I imagine after his recent health scare, he's not drinking anymore, which um, is a shame. But if you add a, a drinking Rick in Legends House, that'd be fantastic. Drinking Rick. If you pay £100 at the Ric Flair shop, he will phone you. Really? Yeah. Aww. That's $100 at the Ric Flair shop. So remember, kids, saving plans work. $100 and... <laughs> I can speak Rick. to Ric Flair. And you can speak to Ric Flair. That's not, like, what's that like? That's about £80, isn't it? You've spent more on stupider stuff. I definitely have. I definitely recently, have. Recently, probably. Really recently. You should see the amount of Pokemon cards I'm surrounded by right now. <laughs> and Lego. I bought a Guardians of the Galaxy Lego spaceship. Um, How is that going? It's finished. I finished it in an afternoon. Why didn't you send me a picture? Oh, sorry. I'll send you. Oh, a we're not talking. No, I'll, I'll, send, I'll send you up. a picture later. Uh, but I really want. I'm really tempted to buy the Simpsons Lego house. You can buy um, the the house ever in Evergreen Terrace of Lego, and I want it, and it's two hundred pounds. But I still want it. Do it. That's more than a Ric Flair call. That's two Ric Flair calls. You could have Ric Flair twice. I could have Ric Flair twice for the Lego house, or I could just get it all. <laughs> 
be done with savings. Yeah, I think I'll do that. Thanks, Max. Thanks for the chat. Um, uh, what I've were we talking about? Lost track. Legends House. Um, Legends so, House. Yeah. Who would you put it? So, yeah, so I put Bret Hart and D-Lo Sean. Brown. D-Lo, why would you put D-Lo Brown in there? Why not? <laughs> okay, fine. Just his head bobble going on. D-Lo Brown. Um, I want to put um, Paul Heyman and Jim Cornette in there together. <laughs> Just put them in the basement. See who comes <laughs> out alive. Oh, that'd be great. Anyway, we're getting sidetracked. Um, number three. We have done your number three, haven't we? Which is no, I don't Jericho. get to talk anymore. So you don't get to talk about that. So what's your number two? My number two is a match that's very near and dear to our hearts that I think a lot of people will disagree with us on. But it's Vengeance 2004, Randy Orton versus Edge. This is the match that um, I think you thought would be on my list, but it's actually not. What's wrong with you? I know, sorry. I do like the match very much. It's number six on my list. Pissing on our history. I'm not, I'm not pissing on our history. Well, like, my boy loses, so it sort of sours it for me. It's true. It is true. I haven't actually written any notes for this because we've watched it so many goddamn times. Yeah, but this is a great match. Know what's happening. Um, but the funny... Because I, re- I I did actually rewatch this one yesterday just because it's, it's been a very long time since we watched it because it was kind of a case of this was when the only time you could really watch wrestling was when you bought the DVDs. Yeah. So you just wore out those DVDs and the amount of times that me and Jesse watched Vengeance 2004. Yeah, head- um, headlined by Redacted and Triple H with the interference of Eugene. <laughs> just, they just don't make them like that anymore. <laughs> they just don't, don't. They died. It was a classic main event. Uh, so this was Randy at his peak, like legend killer, young future of the business style. One month before he wins the world title. Yeah, one month. I loved, one month. I loved Intercontinental Champion Randy Orton. This was, yeah, this was best Randy. Um, so this was Randy at his absolute best. His character was really, really taken off at this point. It wasn't really much of a surprise that he was going to break away from evolution soon. Edge had just come back. He'd been back for a couple of months. He had, so he came back from his neck injury, yeah. broke his foot, then broke his arm. He didn't, have a, he didn't have a good time that year. No, he didn't. But his promos with Randy at this was kind of the start of the rated R like intensity that he had. If you watch the promos between the two, it's kind of the start of that. Um, so Randy comes out and does his... He, he looks a bit derpy, in all honesty, when he does his pose on the rampway. Go back and watch it. <laughs> you, he shut bit, you shut up. You shut up. He was a beautiful um, man. Edge comes out wearing my favourite tights of his. Yes, I have a favourite pair of tights for Edge. Which, one, which one's your favourite? They're the black, and they've got kind of like his outlined skull face with the hair. Oh, looks yeah, so- I know it. On his ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Love it. Um, but the interesting thing about this match is Randy was cheered... Like, a, like they loved him. I was going to say something really sweary then, but I thought, <laughs> no, it's not called for. And Edge was starting to get booed. This was the time when people were like, oh, babyface Edge, don't really care. And they started to boo him, which, thank goodness, they did, because it led to him being the greatest heel in wrestling history. Fight yeah. me. It continued on as well, because SummerSlam the following month was in Toronto. And you think if there's anywhere where Edge is going to be cheered, it's Toronto. He was in the opening match. It was a triple threat match with Jericho and Batista um, for the Intercontinental title in Toronto. And Edge was just booed out the building. Yeah, they were just not having having face Edge at all. No. And it was one of the first times you kind of saw, like, you you didn't even have the Cena heat at this point. Because this was pre-Low Cena wins. Yeah. Like, we were getting there. But this was the first time that a crowd had actually avidly gone against properly. No, 
no, we don't want it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they just start booing it. And thank good the w- goodness the WWE kind of realized that because they did the same with Randy. They were like, all right, let's turn him face. Let's turn Edge heel. Yeah, but uh, the, but the face turn for Randy didn't work at all. No, no, it was he is a vindictive sociopathic <laughs> he, human being by is, nature. Yeah, you can't you can't fake that shit. <laughs> you, can't, you can't and you can't tell him to not be that either. It just doesn't work. Uh, you can see it behind his eyes. He's just crushed when he has to be nice. Mm. He hates it. Um, but I thought this match was great. The pacing is so good that the storytelling of Edge has just come back from neck injury. So, of course, Randy is slowing the pace down because Edge is a quick wrestler. And he's working the holds and he's working the neck to to try and re-aggregate that injury. But the crowd just keep going, boring, boring. And they just keep chanting boring at it. Until they get to the obvious, you know, they start to go home and they start getting more exciting about it. And they're like, oh, this is amazing. But screw those fans for saying it was boring. It was great. <laughs> screw them all. Screw those fans. I hate these fans. No, it was great. It, it was good. And slow pace. Like, the whole point of it was, you know, Randy was heel then. The whole point of it was to elicit reactions like that. So that when Edge starts the babyface comeback, they're more into it and they love Edge more. That's the idea behind it, even though Edge was booed. <laughs> but... um <laughs> But no, I, I agree with you. It's a great match. It would be number six on my list if it extended that far. And um, yeah, back then I love. I remember like so after this, um, Randy goes on to challenge Benoit for the world title at SummerSlam, and I was just so torn back then because Benoit was my guy. I loved him, but I was really getting into Randy Orton and thought he was great as well. So I was just completely torn for that match. I'm really sad that that match could never really be shown because really I. Good. Really good, right? I love that Randy Orton uh, Benoit match when he does. Who does? He does it to Benoit, doesn't he? When he gets him up on the shoulder for like the backbreaker and then just does the drop out neck neck breaker. Yes. Yeah, it's brilliant. He doesn't. He's done that, I think, once or twice since. It made it into the wrestling game that year. I remember doing it on SmackDown versus Raw a lot. I imagine it's a hard move to pull off because you've got to get the balance right, and then yeah, I imagine it's a nightmare to pull off, you which need, is probably why he doesn't guy, do it anymore. Yeah, you need the guy to be littler than you as well, don't you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it's it's a beautiful move. Also um, in that match, um more um more Benoit, we should have seen it coming. Um there's a bit where Benoit goes for the diving headbutt and at first it looks like what Randy's done is put his knee up and Benoit hits his head on Randy's knee and it's like, Oh, that's rough. But when you watch the replay in slow motion, he didn't put his knee up. Randy put his whole leg, extended his whole leg up. And Benoit's head just went straight into Randy's boot. And it's brutal. It's a real brutal spot. And another brutal spot, he does a suicide dive and Randy gets out of the way. And unlike the Macho Man one, Benoit doesn't hit his head. He has the foresight to turn, but he still slams back first into the um, guard railing really quite hard. A couple of spots there. Should have saw it coming. Yeah. Do you remember at the end when he's... um, try to shake Randy's hand Ben Warriors after losing and you, be a man be a man be a man <laughs> just screaming in his face we could do a top five redacted quotes <laughs> be a man <laughs> meh that's my favourite one that is that's, that's a classic uh, but yeah so this was a very important match to, to me and Jesse and may, maybe it doesn't deserve the number two spot but for me it's Edge doesn't really have for the amount of times he how many times has he had it fair few He's yeah, never really had a great right. intercontinental title match. Um, um, yeah. But I think this one really was. And I don't know if it's just because we both love watching it so much because it was our two favourites at the time. But I, I do think it was a really good match. Yeah, I agree. Really good. And that final spear 
that finishes the match. And yes. It's after, Cause cause Randy, Randy takes the turnbuckle. Is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Randy takes the turnbuckle off and um, ends up ends up getting um, propelled into it, doesn't he, by Edge. And then hits that and then the spear. Really good. Really good finish. Because they just kept using the RKO and the, um, and the spear. It was like, whoever hits it first is going to win. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And this is back in the days, kids, of when you did one <laughs> finisher and it actually finished the match. Yeah, that like just Randy doesn't happen anymore. He kept pushing him off. Like Randy kept leapfrogging the spear. Yeah, finishes actually That's meant what wrestling something used back to then. Be. Exactly. And there's no shame in losing. It doesn't make you look weak if you lose to someone's finisher. You got caught. You got caught by their finisher. Bad luck. Better luck next time. That doesn't yeah. make you look weak at all. As long as you stick to one finisher finishes a match, apart from like Mania or something, then it can feel like a big deal. That's what made Shawn Michaels take us so good at Mania because we weren't yeah. we weren't used to people kicking out of finishes like that then. Yeah, hundred percent. If if it's or if it's a blood feud, if it's like a real deep feud, you can kick out of because it's like no, I'm not going down to this guy. That's how it's done. Yeah, Gah! exactly. So angry, damn kids, and you kick it out. Um, cool, very good choice. Um, we're on to my number two. Um, so unlike your number two, my number two is widely acknowledged as a fantastic match and should be. On I this swear list. to God, Jesse Benz, if you steal my number one this week, I'm coming to chat and I'm going to cut you. Do you reckon I have? No, but I'm just warning you. Okay. Pick your words. Okay, you ready? It is um, Bret Hart versus oh, motherfucker. Davey Boy Smith. Oh, thank God. Oh, really? Is it not? No. no. Bret Hart versus Davey Boy Smith from SummerSlam 1992 in Wembley, the main event yes. of the Intercontinental title. Um, I didn't even think about this match. Oh, I love this match. Well, you know I love Davey Boy Smith and the British Bulldogs in general anyway. And And I have to say, for all these years of me completely mocking you for liking Bret Hart so much... Um, since I watched Wrestling with Shadows, I've been really getting quite into him. I've watched a lot of his matches. He's coming up on a lot of your lists lately. He's, I, I hate to say it, but he's really good. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like I've been saying it for like 15 years now. Yeah, I know. And obviously everyone knows he's really good. But I There's just, your stubbornness. Where I, you're like, nope. Yeah, because you liked him so much. I was always so against him. But yeah, Bret, Bret Hart, man. Like, yeah, I... Oh, I, I'm I love sorry. You. I really do. Yeah, this is a sign of maturity <laughs> on my part to admit that, right? Star Wars is shit. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the yeah, same thing, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, main event of SummerSlam from Wembley. Um, the ovation Davey Boy gets is incredible, being British, obviously. And um, I really like the storyline around the match, um, using the Hart family and Brett's sister, um, Diana, isn't it? Diana Hart, yes. um, who's also married to Davey Boy Smith. Um, playing her off and she, I thought she actually did an amazing job for someone who is an actress in any way shape or form she sold it really well and did some good interviews on the lead up to this that seemed quite believable and um, an interesting fact about this match according to Bret Hart's book um, Davy Boy Smith had been smoking crack with Jim Neidhart for two days straight before this match <laughs> Jesus. I was just incapable. So apparently they'd laid out this match, like rehearsed it and had this perfect match to do. But um but yeah, David Boy got carried away with crack. And um Not just any crack, London crack. London crack with Jim Neidhart. And <laughs> <laughs> and so as soon as David Boy this is all in Brett's book. As soon as David Boy Smith and Bret Hart lock up, um David Boy just mutters to uh, Bret Hart, I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs> so Davy Boy couldn't do anything. Brett went on to carry Davy Boy through that entire match, just spot calling the whole thing and being completely in control. And it's incredible. The whole match keeps you on the edge of your seat. You, it's it's yeah. really well paced. It's really well done. 
And not knowing how fucked Davy Boy Smith was, it's still a really, really good match. But knowing that makes it even better, really. Like, I never knew that. I yeah. thought that match was flawless. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, watch it. Go back and rewatch it, knowing that Davy <laughs> now Boy... with crack eyes. Yeah, exactly. Knowing that Davy Boy Smith is absolutely fucked from his crack binge, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and Bret Hart just amazing. You know, cool. You, you barely see him call a single spot in that match, and the whole thing was. Um, improv it's just fantastic yeah great it's, match i think a lot of people need to go back and watch that summer slam like i don't know if it's just because we're british but it's just seeing it in wembley and how big a crowd it has so cool yeah it's just so upsetting that they've i understand why they they haven't bought back a pay-per-view since but why uh well apparently the the, the talk of the town is that uh Vince wasn't a fan of because obviously it had to be recorded beforehand, so like results and stuff came out, and it was kind of a logistical nightmare to pull off. But that's a, with the network. That's completely irrelevant now, no? Exactly. Now it's completely irrelevant because you just because they do it with when you have American football games over here. You just Americans, you just have to get up in the morning, whereas we have to stay up until stupid o'clock in the morning. Yeah, exactly. We're supposed to be one of their biggest markets, aren't we? And um, yeah. and we don't watch any of it. You know, when we watch it live, we stay up at stupid o'clock. There's no reason the Americans can't do that. Yeah, and they don't even have to. A lot of them, it will just be the morning. It's yeah. like us watching New Japan. It's 8am. Yeah, exactly. Be nice. Breakfast wrestling. Breakfast wrestling. So, I'm hoping that it's going to happen again. Yes. Have, have a London event, because... Um, I think when they did the takeover pay per view, they realised, oh, okay, this could work. Yeah, that was great. That was a great show. And just the the, uh, the ovation that David Boy gets is, as you say, it, it's such a shame that he was that whacked out on the smack because <laughs> it was crack, not smack. Smack crack back. Um, the ovation. Imagine walking in to your home nation, Wembley <laughs> Arena, and being compassmented. <laughs> It would have been amazing. Yeah, right? He probably uh, would have screwed up more, actually, if he was not on the crack. Um, uh, interesting argument. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and, and also, Cornroll Davy Boy is the best Davy Boy. Yeah. Like, he walked around East London in Cornrolls. Yeah, exactly. He, well, he's from Manchester, but yeah, I, I see your point. Um, <laughs> you just had to get in a fact there, didn't you? You had to undermine me with a fact. Uh, he had a bulldog, and its name was Daisy. That's it, yeah. Um, uh, in uh, Benoit, uh, Benoit, Jesus, I did it again, JR problems. In Jericho's book, uh, in one of the very first bits of his first book, he talks about meeting um, Dynamite Kid, I think it is. And he describes Dynamite Kid as speaking in a thick um, Cockney accent. And as we all know, Dynamite Kid is also a Mancunian and has a very thick Manchester accent. So that's um, that's Jericho's take on the British accent. Everyone's from London. There you go. What is Pop. that? What is that noise? That was me cracking out to open a beer. Oh, very good. Joke hold style. <laughs> but it's a bottle, isn't it? Or is it a can? It's a can. Oh, I was hoping it'd be a bottle, and I was like, oh, "God, smash them together like Stone Cold." <laughs> okay, Jesse. <laughs> you do whatever I say. Um, okay, very good. Um, so I didn't steal your number one, but we know Bret Hart is in it from your reactions because I can read people, Max. I'm good like that. But um, so give it to me. What's your number one? Give it to you. Give it to me hard. How do you want it? Um, I deep. (laughs) (laughs) So deep. (laughs) Okay, mine is SummerSlam. SummerSlam. 1991. 91, year before. Hello. 
Brett was on a roll, apparently. Brett Hart versus Mr. Perfect. Like rolling up like British Bulldog was. Yeah, cool. Um, nice. Good match. Absolutely perfect match. Pun intended. Baby. Um, wow. Such a great match. Like, I watched this match many, many, many years ago in my youthful days when I had a VHS of this uh, particular SummerSlam. I had a lot of VHS of SummerSlam. Yeah, you did, didn't I you? I had this one. I had 94, 97. Very random, very random. Well, it's the but biggest anyway, party of the summer, Max. That's true. That's how we get down in the curtain house. Thing, and he's like, someone will get that. Someone will pick it up. I'm sure <laughs> they will. Um, and yeah, someone does pick it up. It's it's quite well done. The okay, so let's all let's have a moment of honesty here. Um, a lot of wrestling from the 80s and 90s doesn't exactly hold up to the excitement that we see in wrestling today. It's better left in the past, isn't it? It's better to just it's remember. Better. Yeah, you remember the nostalgia. I Obviously, the most revered Intercontinental title match of all time is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat versus Randy Macho Man Savage. Right. At the time, watch it like I did last night, snooze fest. And good God, am I going to get hate for that? But I'm sorry, it is. Yeah. Like, the, it worked well. It is worked well. But it's the fact that it's so well revered. Like, the, the, the psychology of the match is good, but... It's something you see a million times before and a million times after. Here's a quick question. Sorry to go on a quick um, sidetrack. Um, what we do. But, yeah, um, this is something that might divide us. What's I've ne- I don't think I've ever properly spoken to you about this. What's your opinion on the Bret Hart-Shawn Michaels 60-minute Ironman match at WrestleMania? Um, I think it's very good. Do you? I do. I really enjoy it. Um, I like the fact that there's no pinfall until yeah, over. But all 60 minutes entertain you? Yes. So you don't find that boring, like what you were just describing? No, no I don't. Okay, see, I do. Balls the crap out of you. Yeah, not balls the crap, but there's large chunks of that match that are just so filler. And it's just, just rest hold on top of rest hold. Yeah, man, and it just and it, it's. I think um, Bret Hart's gone on record to say it's his fav- one of his favorite matches of his career. He's really proud of it, and I suppose like you would be if you did an out. But like compare that to, and again, maybe this is being conditioned and stuff. And but compare that to the Omega Okada sixty minute Broadway they did. It's true, yeah, and obviously it's fair to kind of compare eras of wrestling because they're just so different. Um, what Omega and Okada did was just impossible for human beings to do. Yeah. They murdered each other. <laughs> like, actually murdered each other. Um, and yeah, Brett and Sean did have quite done before. You know, that's that's the match everyone looks to, to how to do an Iron Man match. Yeah, I suppose so. Uh, but I guess it's a kind of, you had to be there to really appreciate it, isn't it? Exactly, I think that's the case. But... Mr. Perfect versus Bret Hart. Yeah. It's like it was done last year. It's just so modern the way they kind of do it. The takedowns into headlocks are some of the smoothest bits of wrestling I've ever seen in my life. And I have tried to do it so many times and hurt so many people in attempting it to do it. <laughs> it's Can one of those things it? that looks so easy as well, isn't it? It when, does. Yeah. It's like... Basically, come at me. We'll just do a takeover as we would in a standing position, but we're just moving. Just doesn't work. No. Doesn't work. <laughs> um, and it's just, I don't know. It's just, it really is like the quintessential masterclass in wrestling. And when you say masterclass in wrestling, you often quite think of a 
very the, the pace they put into it as well is really really good um and they just keep going back and forth with each other they just keep going um back and forth the finish is great because um mr perfect at the time had a manager called the coach or coach whatever he was called yeah just an old white dude and his we had a clipboard apparently that makes a coach that's what he was um, yeah he climbs up on the apron and uh, Brett punches him in the face. And it must have been like Gorilla or Roddy, because I think Roddy was doing commentary on this. Um, absolutely disgusting. He hit a man with glasses. <laughs> I was like, that's a brilliant call. Yeah. Cool. And um, yeah, he, he gets the, the pin on on Mr. Perfect. And then for some reason, to make the finish even more odd, because he'd kind of torn Mr. Perfect's singlet in the match. He then kind of just strips him naked. He takes <laughs> off the whole singlet, and Mister Perfect just leaves in his his little black pants. Oh man, that, that is that's brilliant. And there's um, again, sorry, sidetracking again. There's a bit. Um, oh god, um, I can't remember when it was. Um, it's AWF pay per view when they're really pushing um, Sid Justice into the main event spot, and Hulk Hogan and Sid Justice are in the ring and. Hulk Hulk Hogan's trying to get Sid to do the Hulkamania stuff with him. And Sid's like, no, I don't want to. And he's like, no, come on, get the crowd with it and stuff. And that becomes really homoerotic because like Hulk Hogan starts like tearing Sid's clothes off. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, yeah, it just gets a bit weird. Always does. Always does. Um, Stu Hart, the, the patriarch, matriarch, which one is <laughs> yeah. it? He's the, he's the patriarch. The patriarch of the Hart family. Helen Hart's the patriarch. I love Stu Hart. Well, I think he's the most evil man of all time, and, <laughs> and I include Benoit. But wow, um, he oh god, he's, Sid... he's watching, he's watching, and then Brett wins the title. He almost gives, he, like he's a proper Canadian, you know, man dad. He gives a half smile and then just gives his wife a single pat on the back. <laughs> well done for pushing that one out. <laughs> uh, Sid, he Stu uh, just has no, um, he doesn't know where he is ever. No. You just look at it, he's got these glassy, glassy eyes. He has no clue. Do you remember in the Wrestling with Shadows when uh, those two, I don't know who they are, just two guys come into the dungeon and he's... It just starts stretching them. Yeah, Stu's got like one of the those really brutal headlocks. You just hear him going, have some discipline, have some discipline, like that over <laughs> and over again. But you see him doing it and he's lying there with, um, <laughs> with this guy's head in, his, uh, in a strong headlock. This guy's screaming his head off. Stu's going, have some discipline. But he's just, he's just <laughs> look, looking, looking into the distance at, like, nothing. Just glassy-eyed, strange man. Uh, I know we said we'd watch Wrestling With Shadows, and then you broke that promise by watching it, but I still want us to oh, watch no, it. Oh, we'll, no, we'll watch it together. It'll be funny. Definitely. Have some dignity. <laughs> discipline, he said. <laughs> have some dignity. <laughs> he should have said that. Have some dignity. <laughs> that's, what, that's what he said to Mr. Perfect when all of his clothes were ripped off. Oh, he's clapping. That's the dignity. But, like, I've never noticed, like, the clothes ripping before. And then it's the kind of iconic shot of Brett on the middle turnbuckle. He kisses the Intercontinental, turns it around with just Mr. Perfect's clothes slung over his shoulder. <laughs> this is my actual trophy. Well, they're, they're, uh, if Mr. Perfect chose them, they're going to be good clothes. They are. They're going to be perfect. Yeah, exactly. I love them. Um, so if anyone's not really checked out this match, because it, it, it is revered, but I think it might have been forgotten or left to the annals, I, I will share it uh, later on on the Twitter, because it's it's a fave of mine. I, I'm feeling like we should start sharing our number one matches. Okay. 
Okay, thanks for okay. agreeing. Good, um, good talk. Two love. And they've made their way into GIF lore. Um, so you see them pop up quite a lot. Um, I'm sure you know both of these. Have you seen the word when he's sitting um, at a signing or something with Bobby the Brain Heenan? And he just sort of throws and flips his pen in the air and catches it in a perfect writing position. And Bobby the Brain Heenan just looks over him and just sort of nods sagely like, yeah, that, that was awesome. <laughs> That's yeah. that's brilliant. And also, I like the um, clip when he throws the American football from one end of a pitch and oh, yeah. passes it to himself and runs all the way to the other end and catches it. That's on YouTube, <laughs> I think. That is my other favourite Mr. Perfect moment. It was all of his vignettes when he like fr- throws the basketball behind him yeah. and it goes perfectly <laughs> into the net. They're all so good. Have you seen that pen one? It's amazing. I have seen Does that it ring about? One. Yeah. We need to post that on Twitter or something because I just need it to be somewhere where I can go to and look at it as regularly <laughs> as I can. Constantly staring. Yeah, it's pretty. It's just, it's just the way Bobby the Brain looks at him and just sort of nods. He's like, yeah, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> oh, so many great intercontinental title matches. And I hope it, it's starting to become a relevant title again. It's, it's trying. It is trying. It, it's trying its hardest, and I think it needs to be appreciated for what it was. It shouldn't be under people like Roman Reigns, you know. I, I like that he's got something to distract him with, but it's not his main focus. He just wanted to take off Miz so he could go off and do his filming. Yeah. What is that? Give it to, like, Jason Jordan or Elias Sampson. You know, I thought I'd never say that. That feels dirty. <laughs> yeah, right. I was on the Elias Sampson train long before you, son. I thought he was brilliant. Forever. I'm still not on it, but I I understand how over he is, and I do not appreciate it. Ah, oh, he's amazing. But um, we still got my number one, mate. Have we? I thought we were done. No, we're not done, you I'm stupid done. man. I'm mentally checked out. Yeah, you're saying about the Intercontinental titles trying. You're trying. My patience. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, my number one what do you reckon my number one is what do I reckon your number one is I'm surprised you haven't mentioned yet um, Backlash Mick Foley versus Randy Orton oh well you know you're my best friend because my number one Randy Orton versus Cactus Jack at Backlash 2004 in Edmonton Alberta Canada it's where's who else is from Edmonton Alberta Canada Jesse Guy, some little, um, little. Well, you would be Canadian, wouldn't he? Um, I don't think he's with us. Um, I, th- <laughs> I think he's. What gave um, it away? I, I think he's. Um, I think he's redacted. But um, yeah, and that's why I love this pay per view. This whole pay per view, I love because of what a massive Benoit fan I was. Yeah. Um, so Benoit had just won the title of WrestleMania 20 in the most heroic fashion, and um, the first pay per view, his first title defense, is a backlash in his hometown. The ovation he gets is amazing. The triple threat rematch is amazing. They recreate the Montreal screw job because, of course, they do. Because um, <laughs> lol, someone's career got ended. Yeah, exactly. But it's it's just all brilliant. And yeah, great pay-per-view. But this Randy Orton versus Cactus Jack. Cactus Jack, Mick Foley, is amazing at doing this. At turning wrestlers... Or getting wrestlers over, basically. Just turning them into big stars. He did it, um, so this match made Randy Orton, I think. I think before this, he was average performer. Like, everyone, no one really saw anything special in him, right? Um, or crowd-wise. And Mick Foley just gets, well, Mick Foley brutalises him, is what he does. And But in doing it, turns Randy into a star. You can feel the respect go up for Randy Orton from the crowd at the end of that match. 
100% Randy was just the pretty boy. He was the, you know, my my dad got me a job and I'm now aligned with Triple H and I'm the pretty boy and I've got the Intercontinental title. Yeah, exactly. And um, and yet through this and all the way up to Vengeance, which we talked about when he loses it, um, Randy made the Intercontinental title important again, I think. Yeah. Because um, he, he held it for seven months, seven, eight months, something like that. And um, that no one had held it that long for ages. So it suddenly felt important. And because Randy Orton was having matches like this, it became important as well. Because, as we see, you know, Mick Foley, he did the same thing to Triple H at the Royal Rumble 2000. Just brutalised him in a horrendous hardcore match. And that turned Triple H into a star, like a main event star. And It's weird wrestling, isn't it? How hurting another human being is how you get them over you look at what um clint jimmy and drew did at uh fight club the other month where clint just threw drew off some scaffolding oh, into God, chairs yeah, and glass yeah, and now everyone was like drew's amazing he's so hardcore and awesome yeah exactly. yeah that's all it takes yeah but drew is awesome we love drew parker. Drew, is awesome. drew parker this is he's a fantastic um local wrestler um but yeah but this match um randy orton um takes a hell of a thumbtack spot. Fantastic thumbtack spot. Uh, One of the best I've ever seen, actually, I I would say. Um, Would you agree? Um, Yes. The one that when uh, Triple H pedigrees Mick Foley onto the thumbtacks. Yeah, that's horrendous. Like, you think, how easily could one of them gone into his eyeball or something? It just could have so easily happened. It's amazing it didn't. But... As far as, like, impact and stuff, this one just... And because it's Randy Orton, like you were saying, because he was the pretty boy and stuff, no one was expecting that. And He wasn't going to go out there. Everyone thought it would just be like, oh, he'll do a chair shot or something like that. No, they went all out. Yeah, went all out. Threw him off the um, the ramp at the top. That was a hell of a bump he took as well. Yeah, just completely... you had cookie sheets, you had um, trash cans... Yeah. Was there barbed wire in this one? There was barbed, yeah. Um, it was Barbie. They did a comedy spot where sort of Randy Orton comes out with his 2x4 with a pathetic bit of barbed wire wrapped around it. Oh, yeah, And, yeah. Then, and then Cactus comes out with a proper Barbie, you know. And, um, and he said, um, J- what does JR say? Um, he says, I've always pictured Randy Orton playing with Barbie, but Barbie is a 2x4 wrapped in barbed wire. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> And That's what I love about JR. Because well, the thing that I always love about this match, and I've never really known to this day whether it is kind of the case, but when Randy just fucks off to the back. Yeah. When he's just like, I've had enough. <laughs> I imagine, what I think, I'm only guessing this, but it's, so it's after his thumbtack spot, right? And yeah. he's going, out, I think he very briefly goes out the back to so that someone can just tend to him and get rid of any horrible ones that are still in there or just check that he's okay. Do you know what I mean? And then he comes back out and he's okay and that's fine. But it was so weird. He literally just goes to the back. Yeah. I was just like, I don't want to. Mick has to. Um, I'm gonna go get him. <laughs> there's a funny. Um, there's a funny bit after this match. So Randy wins the match by RKOing Cactus Jack on Barbie, uh, and uh, you see him. So Batista and Rick for the time come out and they carry Randy out. And then you see him backstage and you see Triple H just stop Randy and go, that was amazing. You're the man. Evolution's the best, bloody blah, blah. But while Triple H is like giving this heartfelt talk to him, you just, Ric Flair's just there, just picking thumbtacks out of Randy's back. <laughs> like, <laughs> like a monkey, you know, when monkeys eat fleas off each other. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like that. He's just picking all these tacks out. Uh, so I, I think it's my favorite thing that Mick Foley's two best hardcore matches in WE 
were against Randy Orton and Edge. Yeah, you, you really like the Mania one, don't you? Oh, it's one of like Edge's best matches. It is a good match. Um, I really like the ECW One Night Stand 2006 yes. um, intergender, um, intergender six-man tag match. Characters! Characters! Um, I can't feel my arms, characters! <laughs> but, uh... It comes out with my Such a wreck. I, I prefer that match to the WrestleMania match, though, if we're talking about involving Edge and Mick Foley. Ooh, you know, like a bit of fire, barbed wire. I yeah, it's all good. I think the fu- the fire spot is fantastic at yeah, the WrestleMania match. Edge like Edge at the end of the match, where his eye looks like it's bleeding, yeah. his hand is like tremoring. It just looks so good when he finishes. It's like you didn't win. You did not win that one. <laughs> he sells that brilliantly, doesn't he? He but, does. Yeah, just, just like doing the hand twitch. Yeah, it's great. just like he's been uh, absolutely traumatized. But it that match that he did with Randy because doing his whole legend killer stuff wasn't it this oh god was, yeah 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 so this was him trying to take out Mick um and yeah just set him up so perfectly and I don't think Randy would have been you're 100% right this match made him he wouldn't have been half the person he became it would have felt so much like oh they're giving him the title now oh they're giving him this but that match made us all go yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly. If, I mean, for better or for worse, you know, he's still around now. And I know he bores a lot of people to tears with how long he's been around. But back then, when he was so fresh and new, it, it all felt right, didn't it? The way things were going. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah, great match. And I, it's my number one because um, it made a bona fide Hall of Famer. Um, it's from a great pay-per-view. And just yeah, generally fantastic. Jesse, just holds Jesse, good memories with me. What you don't have to justify yourself to them, okay? Yeah, you're right. Screw them. They're not even listening anymore. <laughs> scared them off, damn yeah. it. <laughs> this is just an echo chamber now. <laughs> no, we we've always said every week our top fives are not the greatest intercontinental matches of all time. They're they're our personal top five intercontinental matches that we enjoy. Exactly. So shut up. So shut up. That's my top five. And what a great top five it was. It was. And we did I, have I, one crossover, like I said. You stupid idiot. I was, yeah, I was right. Uh, so one crossover, and it wasn't the match that you thought it was going to be. So I was double right. Again, I'm always right. Your arms are in the air right now, How aren't they? How does it they? feel? They are. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me now, Dad. <laughs> they said I never amount to nothing. <laughs> oh, that was fun. Intercontinental title matches are fun. There you Let's go. hope. Can we, we have call many- the crowd back? <laughs> So we have many more to come. Let's see what Reigns puts on for us over the next coming months until the Royal Rumble. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, we're moaning about him being the Intercontinental title, but you know what? The guy puts on good matches. I've seen a good few Roman Reigns matches this year that I've really enjoyed, so there's no reason why we can't see some fantastic Intercontinental title matches in the near future. I've said this many a time. I'm not a massive Roman. He was my favourite member of the Shield. I thought he, was, he just looked cool. He, moved, he didn't say anything, but he moved amazingly in the ring. I think he's really, really good in the ring. Um, the thing that annoyed me isn't completely out of his control was just the booking of him. That's what turned me off. Yeah. And that's not his fault. Wearing a bulletproof vest is a bit cheaty as well. It is a bit cheaty. I think it's more more cloth now. It's less actual. But who sold it? I think it was actually Owens. AJ. No, it was before. Owens. It was Owens. Yeah, it? Kevin it Owens sold it. punched it and went, ow. Yeah, that was brilliant. That was funny. That was funny. That was funny. Talking about um, chemistry with wrestlers and stuff, um, AJ Styles and Kevin Owens, I would consider them two of the greatest current performers. 100%. I know what you're going to say. 
Uh, they they couldn't get on with each other, could they? In the ring, it just didn't didn't quite get there. It just didn't. That whole program did not work. No, it just never felt right, and that's so strange because uh, Undertaker and Stone Cold is another one. On paper, you think that would be brilliant, but they never really got a good match out of each other either. It's weird, isn't it? How yeah, that happens sometimes. It, certain ones won't like, as we mentioned before, like my number four. You wouldn't go, oh yeah, Sami Zayn Cesaro. They're gonna have amazing chemistry. Yeah. But some of the best matches in recent WWE men- memory between those two. Yeah, exactly. It's just, yeah, it's weird. Wrestling's weird, man. It's very weird. But the rule is, I think, if you're very close childhood friends or you've just known each other for a really long time, you're going to put on a good match. Having said that, did um, C- did Christian and Edge ever have any barn burners against each other? Uh, not really barn burners. It always turned into some kind of gimmick match. It was yeah. never... Uh, given an opportunity to have that much of a one-on-one. Same for really Jeff and Matt, bar the dilapidated boat, which is an instant classic. <laughs> it is. God, I remember when that first came out. It was just... The internet... Sun the, the wrestling world, for the first time, collectively lost their shit about something so ridiculous. Got everyone talking, didn't it? I might have to rewatch it, that scene. It was so good. So <laughs> good. Let's see what Woke and Matt brings us. Yeah, well, we'll see. Um, it's, it's it seems to well. be off to a good start. Yeah, it's, yeah. Off to, it's got the most views um, on YouTube. I think it's like trending in the top five at the moment. And for the first time since 2005, fun fact, more people are Googling Matt Hardy than they are Jeff Hardy. And we know why people were Googling Matt Hardy in 2005. It's because of your boy Edge and Lita, isn't it? Yes, it was. You're welcome, Hardy fans. You're welcome. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, I'm a big Matt Hardy fan. I've been forever. And... Um, it's cool that he's finally getting recognition because I think he's always him and Chavo Guerrero have always viewed as two people who are really good and have really good minds for the business and but it never quite clicked in WE for them and it seems no. like it's finally happening for Matt which is awesome. Yeah, we'll see where it goes and hopefully at least uh, at least just one big he can keep the momentum going for till Mania just a big Mania blow off. Putnam with Bray to start is a great idea. Yeah. I think they can do some fun stuff. I mean, it's another loss for Bray, but... Do, do you think it's time to call quits on the Bray character? Uh, wait, he's not He's not the same character that he was. I was watching some old NXT the other day, and um, Bray then, in his Hawaiian shirts, and his... Um, he was basically a Charles Manson-style character, right? And mm. he's not that anymore. He's all supernatural. There was nothing really supernatural about Bray Wyatt when he started. He was just a cult leader. And I loved that. Bring that back. I, I think they should, and I think it should be more... They never really got the whole recruiting thing down. Like, make him a cult leader and actually get him recruiting people. You know, your Zack Riders, your... Who has done? I care for. Mojo Raleigh, but they're in a feud. And, you know, just get the the ascension. You know, properly start recruiting, like, full teams of people. Yeah. I, I loved it when Randy Orton joined the Wyatt family. I thought that was cool, and it worked really well. And it was a good slow build. And and obviously it resulted in one of the worst WrestleMania matches of all time. Um, Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton at Mania. But it was all the wrong way around. I think Bray Wyatt should have won the Royal Rumble. And Randy Orton should have won the title in the Elimination Chamber. So you can go into Mania having the same match. But I think it should have been flipped. It should have been Bray Wyatt yeah. face and Randy heel. Randy's always been a victim of that. Like really good builds. That one's a really good example. And also... The the massive feud he had with Triple H. Yeah, 2009. When Randy was at his absolute best. Like, Maybe. just psychotic at that point. Yeah, he was like, awesome. Handcuffing Triple H and kissing Stephanie. Um, I'll always remember your face 
like I've never crushed Jess, Jesse much, but this was one of the moments we were watching that WrestleMania together, and Jesse was like, "Oh, Randy's on fire at the moment. He's going to beat Triple H to retain the title." And I went, "No, he's not. Think about it. He's been getting the best of Triple H for the past couple of, of realization of, oh." Yeah. And then we had 20 minutes of just Triple H beating the shit out of Randy <laughs> and me laughing my head off. Triple H was actually the champion. So Triple H retained in the main event of WrestleMania, which of is... Of course he does. Yeah, which just falls so flat, doesn't it? But like you say, the and that was also... Um, they couldn't do anything. Like, they put on... Uh, they were put on after Shawn Michaels and Undertaker. Yeah. Which is one of the greatest... I would say the second... The... Third, no, the second greatest WrestleMania match of all time. We'll find out come April. Uh, yeah, when we do our top five mania, we'll find out what my number one is. Stay tuned, folks. But um, yeah, they this so that exhausted after watching something so perfect. Yeah, yeah, uh, they do it so many times. Gotta love them. <laughs> but anyway, next week, next week is another top five. How excited are you? Our penultimate one for 2017. Before we get into the one, I'm excited for baby our top five matches of 2017 that's from we that's from progress that's new Japan. let's not get too far ahead next week is our top five favorite women's wrestlers yes it is we look at the ladies of professional wrestling in relevant athletes but i feel like i'm going to be reliving a lot of past female wrestlers and i think we're going to have quite a few crossovers because we had a lot of appreciation for the same style of women's wrestling and they're all going to be around that 2002 2004 mark uh i I think you might not be wrong Uh, probably not so it might be a quick one uh stay tuned for the twitter hopefully there will be a very special announcement coming your way this week but if not pretend i ever never said anything and enjoy just listening to the top five women's matches um you can find us everywhere here comes the usual podcast plug. You know it off by heart by now. You can find us wherever good podcasts are found. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can find us on Stitcher. You can find us everywhere on all those streaming sites as well as following us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Please leave comment, share around, like, subscribe, and do all the fancy stuff to make you so happy. Yay! Yay, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're exhausting to hang out with. Oh, I love you. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> um, so Vince thank you. Bad stuff. It was good stuff. We got drops it was audio and drops. Yeah, we went all out. That. We did all the budget. There's pyro. <laughs> <laughs> now with WE time, where we're cutting back and how, we can only record exactly. for an hour and a half. We've got all. We've got all the pyro. We set it all up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, people are still loving the Benji episode. So who cares? Except for one prick started listening to the WE No Mercy top five again. Why do people keep listening to that episode? It's so shit. It's, it's not shit. It's, I wouldn't say it's shit, but it's far from our best. Far from our best. Okay, fine. I, I got a little carried away there, folks. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, we, we don't do we don't do shit. Oh, we do shit around here. Right. Um, we should probably go. Yeah, we've been sort of signing off for about two hours. I think it's <laughs> longer than the actual top five. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Um, I've been Max Curtin. I've enjoyed spending time with you, the listeners, and you, Jesse Benz. I hope to see you all next week. Oh, you'll see me next week. Well, you'll hear me at least, and then you'll see me um, in a few weeks. But yeah, that's good. Thanks, everyone. (laughs) Bye! Bye! You have until the count of five. I happen to love the number five. It's a beautiful number, a glorious number. You got to the count of five.